Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything Podcast. My name's Amit Men. Rate, review, subscribe on your podcast platforms. On YouTube, like, subscribe there as well. Joining me today, Katie Heindel. Talking to you after the Raptors lose to the very depleted Milwaukee Bucks. And that might have been, probably actually is, I will definitively say, that was the worst loss of the season. How are you, Katie? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm probably the same amount of tired I was when I said goodbye to you last night uh, when you were still waiting for Giannis to come out and speak to speak to the sad contingent of media. He never, and he never did. He never that's did. A, it was a locker room. It became a locker room thing. That's that's fine. Whatever. Okay. But yeah, um, it be what it be. Uh, yeah, um, I'm probably a little bit more tired, too, just because of like the exhaustion of thinking about the Toronto Raptors. For the yeah. time, so I think it's wearing down on me. <laughs> Uh, but hey, I mean, it is what it is. On we go, I suppose. And that's what they're hoping to do after this loss. They got the Knicks tomorrow. Um, they're going to continue on their homestand. And you know, as we go on here, the trade deadline, eh, about a month away, a little bit of a month, a little bit over a month away. And um, decisions are going to have to be made because I think it's fair to say that the Raptors are not a team that stays in limbo. Um, that's just not how they are. And so while we may think of it like, hey, you know, they got so and so amount of time to get into the plane and get into that sixth spot. Um, I would probably say the next three weeks are going to decide if Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster decide they want to even entertain those. Or if it's just like, we don't have it this year. Let's get Scotty developing. Let's get Precious developing, so forth. And off we go. So just on that Bucks game, though, uh, the day after the game that was exhausting and weird and confusing and all that kind of stuff. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on it? What stands out? Probably how weird it was. Um, yeah. you know, that there were so many opportunities, I think for like an energy shift or a change. Um, I guess I'm talking mostly about offensive energy and it just seemed like every attempt just flattened out or didn't catch. And for a while that was true of the bucks as well as the Raptors, um, I mean, on the Raptor side, something materialized, but it was like, how many times, you know, it's just like, how many times are you revving the engine until you're basically catching fumes, which is to me what, it, like what it sort of felt like by the end, like it felt amazing. The energy in the arena was like top, like top tier. It felt great to be there. Um, today, I think it's, you got to look at it a little bit more practically <laughs> Uh, as you said, and think like, what are the next moves? And if those moves don't speak to the long-term shape of the team, mm. then uh, I don't think they're going to solve that much. Yeah. I mean, I think we've all wanted to see just consistent effort from the team. Nick Nurse mm -hmm. has talked about that too, wanting to see game in, game out. That identity that we've seen, we've come accustomed to over the past you know, four or five years uh, during the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan era, where it's just 
pedal to the metal, at least defensively, and you're you're in every game. Even when you think you're out, you have this gear and you have this ability to stay focused and continue to uh, complete the task at hand. And if you lose, you lose, but at least you went down fighting. And we haven't seen that as much this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, I mean, it, what's odd is that, I mean, despite being so bad defensive or offensively, defensively, like that didn't let the offensive issues didn't let the defense waiver which mm-hmm. is the thing that you wanted to see. That's what we're used to from this Raptors team. But this is not the time to be defining your identity. It's way too late for that. And they kind of lost their their grace period. Like after that Pacers loss, I mean, the Pacers are good. They're a really good team. And uh, that was a squad that I thought, you know, after their schedule evens out, they're going to probably, you know, get into that play-in area. But they've continued to win. They're mm-hmm. very talented. Um, they perform very well at home. And so you just chalk it up as, hey, I mean, we lost the game. Obviously, the Raptors are still very, very heavily reliant on their uh, starters, which we'll get to in a second. But um, you're in it. And so you just chalk it up as an L and you move on. But they just don't have that time anymore. Mm-hmm. And this game, I mean, the Bucks, like they came in with a game plan that's very similar to many other teams. Like they play the, that stack line defense. It's you have players on the elbows and the blocks. And then you have Brooke Lopez back there. And uh, the Raptors are running way more pick and roll than they used to. And the opportunities were there. There were a lot of open pull-up jumpers from the two-point range, um, free throw unextended, the nail around those corners, um, the 45s, and um, they weren't going in very consistently. I looked at some of the the shots for OG, Gary, and Fred, and all of them were around two, two to they made two of the five of uh, of their shots from those ranges. Um, mm-hmm. It's just speaking about like the things that were happening outside of the paint, but not three point shots. So that's not a bad percentage, but when you pair it with how the game started and when Fred said that it felt like the air was being sucked out of the building, if you were in the arena, it actually made sense. People were looking at it online. They're like, what does that mean? But it really Mm -hmm. felt like that. You could feel like the pressure of the moment when they were going so long without a basket and they didn't really recuperate from that. Mm -hmm. You could also feel the pressure burst. And I think like, that's why when Pascal made his very first, just like a free throw, yeah. what was that? Like seven minutes? Like, I don't even know. I don't remember how late it was in. Cause every moment of that game felt like an eternity when you were there. But yeah. I think that's why it felt like the pressure valve just got blown off. Like mm. that was playoff level excitement mm. for a made <laughs> free throw because it just was just everyone was just waiting right and I don't have an answer for why that happened to the Bucks like to a degree yes it's the great defense that we're talking about uh to the for the Raptors but a like a weird thing about that maybe more in this game than some others in the season uh is that so often in the past uh of this right like this iteration of the Raptors team too that great and stellar defense has fed offensive energy and it was just not the case like there was there was little to no connection or translation of that on the other end of the floor and that does stump me a little bit and we're gonna get to just in like talking about plays and you know like Mm. optimization of that but as you said it's one thing to to say like yeah we're a defensive team we're gonna hang our hats on that but that also has to serve you like yeah to win basketball games Mm. And they forced 25 turnovers. Giannis had a career-high 12, 12 turnovers. Yeah. And the Raptors, they did a really good job. Some people mm-hmm. are you know, they're still laughing about the, the uh, opinion of Joel Embiid where he said that it feels like they're more interested in stopping stars than actually winning games. And 
with this game against the Milwaukee Bucks and also just with Giannis, like he mm-hmm. is the head of the snake. And when they don't have Drew Holiday and they don't have Chris Middleton, stopping him is very important. And their one-on-one defense, they were taking away space from him. They were picking up early, picking him up early. Uh, OG, Pascal, Fred, whoever it was, like he saw a lot of bodies, and that's why those turnovers happened. But as the Raptors, like this is part of what they want to do. What Nick Nurse is preaching, you have to convert on those turnovers. Twenty-five turnovers, mm-hmm. twenty-three fast break points is not enough. And granted, mm-hmm. the Bucks did a good job of you know getting back on defense, but they probably came in saying, "Hey, this is not a good half-court offense." So mm-hmm. if we're disciplined with the ball, which they weren't, but if we're just getting back on defense, right? If we're just nullifying those advantages as quickly as possible, we're going to put ourselves in a pretty decent chance to mm-hmm. compete in this game and maybe even win it. And surely enough. They did. So, I mean, there's a lot to look at from this game. I, I can't believe they took 116 shots and they had a 32% field goal percentage. That is yeah. insanity. Um, Fred and Gary both shot 8 of 23, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to go into that too much. But uh, the shooting was the problem. It's been the problem for most of the season. It's been very up and down. Are you in the, the camp that it's this is what it is? Or do you still have faith that they're there could be a light at the end of this tunnel and they might figure it out sooner than later because later isn't going to cut it either. I mean, there is a light unless you're willing yeah. to cut everybody who's having problems right mm-hmm. now loose. I will say the one person who you can't really, I don't think you can dissect his offensive play that much mm-hmm. last night is probably OG just because when you have that offensive assignment, primarily of Giannis and you're just like taking like you're letting him basically run at you and crumple you like mm. over and over and over again. It's tough to have offensive energy on the other end sure. and be relied upon for that. So I'm not worried about OG <laughs> in terms of his shooting. Mm. Otherwise it's tough to say that a part of me is like, this is what it is because we've seen this for so many games now. I'd say like two weeks ago, I would have called this a slump, but you're starting to settle into this is just a routine. There are certain individuals who I think will shoot through it. I think Fred Van Vliet is probably just having a strange year. Most of his stats, as he said last night in his post game, are actually on par with last year, like his all-star season, aside from field goal percentage. Like that's waffling a bit. Um, And he was saying that it eventually is going to even out. Yes. And I think he's correct. And I went back and looked at those numbers because I was like, that's interesting. And it's true. Um, for Gary, it's great that he hit that clutch shot. It was kind of like yeah. a flash of like, oh yeah, this is what, you know, he's capable of, but otherwise yeah. less than the shots not falling. I think what was more worrying to me is just the trepidation to shoot. Like there were so many sequences last night where it was just endless ball movement under the basket. Like I'll still pass, like I'll kick this out. Like you should take the shot. Like someone's going to have to take the shot. It sucks to be like, yeah, I'm going to take the shot. I'm probably going to miss because that's how the game was going. But at some point, like, you know, Malachi's throwing it away. Scotty's throwing it away. Chris Boucher is throwing it away and just like kicking it back out and out to like Fred and everybody else at the wing. So, I mean, you've got to break that at some point and that that sort of like trepidation and hesitation is what, uh, bodes the least well to me and that's what makes me feel like whatever this is like this yeah. is what the team is now they've got to like mm. this is not just like a streak to snap this is something a little bit deeper yeah 
there's there is reasons to suggest both and i think that's been the problem for most of the year mm-hmm. i mean you know early on you just felt like it was going to change because this is what we're used to we're used to fred you know being close to like you know 37 uh three-point shooter we're used to gary and his numbers have improved over time like past 10 games have been pretty good yesterday obviously was not very good outside of that shot but he did get better as the game went on um pascal might be the only person actually that's been improving his three-point percentage as the season has gone on um go figure it's him doing that but even last night like i'm quoted on this podcast you know last week i said that you know i'd like him to shoot five threes a game Mm -hmm. and he shot two yesterday and both of them i mean it goes to a bit of a scheme thing which i think there's ways to utilize him as a catch and shoot player um if you incorporate other players on the on the floor but mm-hmm. um i think he needs to you know, be shooting five a game because i think it's going to open up space for other players and also just his game overall it's going to make um defenses second guess uh, his movements and how he's going to be approaching his offensive game uh Mal- malachi flynn he had a nice little stretch there past four games he's one of 13 scotty barnes two of 19 over his last eight um and we're going to get to scotty as well we're going to begin to a lot of things in this chat aren't we um so yeah there's reason to su- suggest both uh considering where we are in the season mm-hmm. i mean it's it's hard it's getting harder and harder to say that it is going to improve like the t- the way teams are guarding the raptors it's almost being just like handed down the totem pole from to each team because uh this is how you stop them you make them shoot three-point shots you take away the paint and you're going to be in a pretty good spot to mm-hmm. uh stop them from scoring the ball and if you don't turn over the ball and you limit you eliminate their fast break opportunities then you're probably going to win the game and that's been the story for uh the entire season last season it wasn't necessarily like that because they showed glimpses of, of good three-point shooting even though i mm-hmm. mean it still wasn't great but precious had his second half and uh as players were getting healthy like they kind of found a groove a little bit that groove has never been found um it's just it's hard to even say like i pose this question to you but even i like i don't know um there, there's not a lot of reason to suggest it's going to get better right outside of maybe a player or two like chris boucher going oh with three all of those wide open that young has been out in and out of the lineup didn't play yesterday mm-hmm. precious took two shots yesterday he didn't look necessarily comfortable shooting them i think it's like he's still getting his his pace right as he's uh, getting acclimated to playing nba basketball again after missing 20 some odd games so it's a, it's really it's a tr- it's a tricky one to say that this is going to definitely improve but during this homestand which is again going to be more of a make or break for this team and what's going to be happening uh come trade deadline time trade deadline time mm-hmm. it's something they gotta they gotta hit shots <laughs> you just have to hit shots oh yeah. gosh <laughs> or like aside from um auto coming back into the lineup he's not uh, even on with the team and right I, now. yeah i know and like that's so i i kind of question whether he will play at all this season or like certainly whether we're going to see him before March, you know, if he is that far off, I mean, things can change yeah, quickly. Um, but the way that it's, you know, we've been updated mm-hmm. about it. It doesn't seem like it's playing that way. Um, I hope I am, I am hopeful for like Precious's uh, acclimating back to being in the lineup and being in the rotation granted like third year player that might not you don't want to like hang all your hopes on him so I think like you you kind of we're looking at what we have right now it doesn't look great yeah no it doesn't Yeah. yeah yeah they're gonna be deciding whether this makes a drastic change in a month mm-hmm. or so. But on mm-hmm. Precious, 
I mean, the he had a possession against um, Tyrese Halliburton just before he checked out of his second shift and like his one-on-one defense, the way he flips his hips to keep up with guards, it's so impressive. Like once he's right, it's going to be really nice to to see him get back to, to that groove um, offensively. It's always been a little bit of a treasure chest. You know, there's a lot of good, good things in there, yeah. but can they actually, you know, materialize in, into to buckets and, you know, is he able to execute and, you know, to have like that composure in those moments, wherever he is on the court, um, that's going to have to come with him as it will for many players on the, the Raptors. Um, does it feel like the Raptors are a disjointed team? And I'm saying this from a few different trains of thought. So you can look at a role perspective, like mm-hmm. Pascal is the number one guy, but after that, it gets a little bit murky. Um, the bench scoring, are they really being offered the the right kinds of players to help actually elevate that unit? Um, yeah, things of that nature. Do you feel like they're just a little bit too disjointed? Like maybe last season was just last season, it's just how it went, and they're just fundamentally missing some real tangible aspects. I mean, like, I question what they could be missing because on paper, they've just gained. You know what I mean? Like, you're missing yeah. what you've gained, but then who you still have available to you is the team from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so you should at least be where you were last season. You shouldn't be trying to make up ground now. So that strikes me as yes, whether you want to call it disjointed or a disconnect, which is, I think, a bit more apt. Uh, yeah. For me, anyway, there is something that is off. I don't know if that's communication or a lack of it, uh, whether that's, as you say, like between in the locker room, like between kind of your starting unit, your bench, individually coached to, to, to team, like, you know, how the coaches are communicating. Um, there's certainly something that doesn't feel as cohesive when you look around the league and see other teams, like, because that's the thing. It's not like there's a small sample size for where the Raptors are at right now. There's actually quite yeah. a lot. Like so many teams are stuck in this middling position in the league right now in both conferences yeah. um, where it's like every night's kind of a slog, not even to just climb, but to like stay where they are in the standings because everybody's very good. Mm. So there's a lot of other teams to compare to in terms of production and the way that they seem to be just like communicating and able to produce or like at least change things quickly and on a higher yeah. level whereas it feels so slow uh for mm. toronto it feels like any kind of change is like not really being picked up that quickly like adjustments on the fly uh, everything looks a little bit uh certainly disjointed on the floor like disorganized like fred is yeah. i think trying his best out there but like a backup pg like to get some of those minutes on the bench would probably be like a real lifeline right now, at least for some of that. Uh, and the other stuff, I don't know, like, do we, do we want to point to kind of like the absence of chemistry or, you know, just, I don't doubt that this stretch is starting to take yeah. its toll on a team of very competitive guys. Mm. It can't feel good. Sure. You know, to just be like trying the same things over and over and over again, and nothing's working and nothing's sticking and, Nothing mm. is changing. So yeah, I definitely think there's something awry. Yeah. 
it's hard not to look at that. Like the amount of ways that they find ways to lose games is what's <laughs> is interesting, right? Because right. if it's not the offense, it's the defense. If it's not the defense, it's the offense. It's transition defense. It's transition offense. They're not capitalizing. Whatever. Um, last night after the game, Fred uh, he was asked about. Um, in, indirectly but kind of directly about his role in the offense and mm-hmm. uh, he it was he was open like he's always very open um with uh with his approach and like how he's looking at him and, and internalizing like everything that's been going on this season that's why he's probably talks so much is that mm-hmm. he's he's good at it um and uh he said yes it's been like a little bit difficult to, to you know like be the second and third option when you know last season i was a lot more than that and being more of a facilitator and that potentially could be you know impacting my my three-point shooting and mm-hmm. uh one thing he said that i thought was interesting is he he said that we're running more pick and roll now and that's been an adjustment for all of us like i'm happy about it but we're all trying to get acclimated and understanding how can we uh capitalize on using mm-hmm. that and i was like mm-hmm. huh like all season we've been saying as a fan base that you should be running more pick and roll and now they're doing it and uh it's had some you know, some degree of success, obviously last night, uh, not be, it would be in the exception, but we've, we, we want to see it. And so this is probably a way that, you know, the NBA as a whole is transitioning towards, mm-hmm. like, this is how you, you know, you are able to manufacture like good offensive possessions in this day and age. Um, but through that also you need the three point shooting to be, you know, in those corners and that hasn't really gone its way. But I thought it was interesting that Fred actually, you know, said that, um, that aspect has been a bit of a transition. And it seems like there's been a lot of transitioning um, happening within the Toronto Raptors throughout this season. And that could be where the disconnect is, is that and usually you want to find yourself on both ends of the court. And it just hasn't really happened that way because of the changes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like there is certainly like an offensive, uh, like a glaring mm. <laughs> offensive shaped hole in the team's dynamic. Um they're just like really not on par. Like it's, it is one great thing to hang your hat on defense as we say, but it's, I almost hesitate to be like, yeah, run more pick and roll offenses. Like obviously that seems yeah. to work in, in like the short term because it's not really going to solve things in the long term. Uh, teams are just going to game plan you and figure mm-hmm. it out. And now that seems to be the thing that uh, the Raptors like cannot respond to is being responded to. <laughs> And being scouted and, you know, like having those adjustments made against them in game, there's no answer to them. That's why you see them kind of like flatlining. I mean, last night they flatlined for pretty much the whole game, but that's where you see them flatlining. Certainly like these kind of peaks and maybe glimpses of a comeback late in the third, but otherwise like second through fourth, you know, not a lot of energy. So... (laughs) Again, I'm just like, what it, where did, what yeah. is the disconnect? Is this because you've lost, like, have have you lost so much offensive knowledge, not just in your players, but in some of your coaching staff leaving the franchise? And like, how have you tried to refresh that? And how have you tried to revitalize that? Um, I don't, that to me is like what yeah. seems is missing. Mm. I mean, I think it's fair to question that kind of stuff just based on one performance, obviously, mm. but even a case like last night where, you know, the last possession, the Raps are down by three and you just felt like they weren't going to get a good shot off. Yeah. Um, when Fred took that, uh, he got a switch with the Bobby Porras and he takes, you know, a sidestep left and is taking a shot. I'm like, that's not a good three point shot. And I understand like those are circumstances that aren't going to be exactly advantageous, right? The team knows you got hit a three or even they could have taken 
try to two and two for one kind of thing. But that, I mean, that's the decision that they made. And so you're not in a good spot. At the mm-hmm. same time, though, isolation, like one high pick and roll, Bobby Portis, Fred Van Vliet go one-on-one, just try and hit a three, isn't good offense. It's not going to create a, a, a high percentage look. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, if you had something going off ball, maybe you have Fred curling around some screens. Maybe you have Gary doing it. Like Gary just hit a, a setback three on Brooke Lopez. That was pretty awesome. Maybe you try something with with him. Like, I just wanted to see like a bit more creativity from that from that standpoint. And that's not the first time we've seen that, right? Where it's just like, all right, um, we got ten seconds left. What are we gonna do? And it's mm-hmm. a pretty basic, basic possession. Um, so I think it is fair to to call out stuff like that. And I also think it's it's fair to question. You know, when you look at offenses as a whole, and like you, it always comes down to comes down to roles within the offense. And last season. Maybe you kind of just caught like lightning in a fire where you have like everyone had 15 points plus they average that per per game. And I asked Gary about this, like after that Pacers game, it felt like to me that there were roles being kind of defined more so mm-hmm. with Scotty, you know, being like the screener. Um, you had Gary and OG as like the dueling number two options. And you have Fred as like your do it all guy, uh, catch and shoots. Uh, ball handling, obviously um, organizing the offense. And he's like, I mean, maybe, but, it's still about just like finding the advantages and capitalizing on them on them. Um, that's still what we want to want to do. And I wonder if that's not always the best way, best way to go, especially when outside of Pascal, who still is like emerging himself as a number one, he is a number one, but there's like, there's, you know, Pascal's number one. Then there's like Luka Doncic. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's Giannis. Like those are like the super duper stars and he isn't there yet. Not saying he can't, but he isn't necessarily there right now. Mm-hmm. After that, it's like, do you have, are your secondary options like actual three level scores? Cause I think that is imperative to any good offense is that when you do make that kick out pass and you are the number one option, Pascal makes it, is that person you're kicking out to, is he going to be able to score at every single level? Right. And OG has had moments, has flashes where he does it, but it's not very consistent yet. And he's mm-hmm. going to be working on that. Um, Gary, 23 years old, OG is 24. So that's another stop gap here you got pascal and fred 28 29 and then you have a big drop off uh of your secondary options in terms of experience and they're both like they're getting there but they're not there yet um and so that's where you're thinking okay so are you relying too heavily or are those two not exactly like at the tier of where you need them to be as number two options to be in those roles and then you have fred saying well i mean last season i was he hasn't said this exactly, but he's like, he's embracing this new role. And he was a number two option, right? That's mm-hmm. where it got down to. Sure. You know, second half of the season, he struggled a lot. He was injured, yada, yada, yada. Um, but that was his role. He was the number two person. And so there is a disconnect there for sure. And when you think yeah. back to the champion, championship team, last thing I'm going to say, championship team, <laughs> we love going back to that, right? You could argue that Serge, Mark, Norm, Kyle, Kawhi, Danny, um, all the guys in the starting lineup and the few that came off the bench, Fred, um, I guess is in there too, but they had a degree of three level scoring ability. You know, Danny could hit pull up shots. Danny could at least finish around the rim. He could cut. He, he was a three point shooter. Kyle could hit mid range shots coming off screens, three point shooting, getting to the basket. Mark uh, also had his tur- turnaround jumper in the mid range. He could finish around the rim, three point shot, obviously. Uh, trailed him went away during the bubble year but it is what it is and then norm and surge they both they they all had uh, yes. a, a degree of it right yeah and there isn't really that with this team and that's what you are shooting for 
right? Mm -hmm. That's like, that's your model. You want players to get to that point where they can score from a lot of different areas on the court. And there's a massive gap here. Mm -hmm. Well, what I was going to say to your point of creativity and like why that's not happening offensively is I think to have any offensive uh, creativity, you need a, you need your guys to have an offensive arsenal in place already. Yes. Because to be creative, like one, you need Mm -hmm. a baseline. And two, I also think you need some space and some room. And I don't mean spacing. I mean, like physically, almost a, a little bit of a breather. And right now, like your starter, like they're not, look at the minutes last night. Like nobody yeah. has space right now yeah. to think about anything other than how badly they're doing, why they, how they do not really have a reliable mm. baseline right now. Nobody does. You know, like it's not just shots not falling. Just- I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Like, sometimes it looks like a complete offensive disarray. Not just of the half court, like everywhere, you know. Um, You have hesitation, as we talked about. You have just a lot of trepidation. You have um, this sense of like, you know, that last... That last possession, like in the play, it was not great. But I also, a part of me is like, I don't, I can't begrudge Fred that much for not flipping it to somebody else when like the entire game, like finishing is still a problem. You know, like Pascal, (laughs) a part of me was like, this is a very bad deja vu and flashback. And I'm not trying to pile on somebody that's like been piled on in his career, like to no Mm. end, but the finishing like wasn't there. And like, that feels like a weird regression. So I think to be uh, like an offensively creative team that you look at and are like, wow, they can really figure things out when they're not like things aren't going their way and they can create a spark and kind of make something happen. They're not even at the level where they have that base right now. Mm, That's tough. It is. Um, Gary Trent Jr. was moved. I mean, we'll see how things go for their uh, next game and the games after that. But I mean, past few games, he's been in the starting lineup mm-hmm. and uh, he was coming off the bench. And uh, I've, I've, you know, gone back and forth with this a little bit on like, you know, should he be off the bench or should he be starting? And the reason why I felt like he should be coming, he, he could come off the bench is if, you know, an OG and a Scotty were ready to be like, you know, those number two options, right? Because right. roles are so important in the NBA and every player knowing it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, so maybe it opens up room for them to do their thing. But I have never wavered in thinking that Gary Trent Jr. could possibly be like their second best score, right? And I, I truly do believe that. He lacks some playmaking ability. Um, but in terms of just putting the ball in the hoop, finishing, as you said, like he might, he probably is the second best, 
outside of Pascal because of his pull-up game, his three-point shooting. It's weird to say this after coming coming off that Bucks coming off that Bucks game, but reality is like that is a fact. Um, mm-hmm. He can get a shot off against like anyone. He t- shot a step back three over Brooke Lopez. Like he can do it. Um, and so there is a player that you know might have that you know potentially that ability. Uh, Fred driving paint finishing as he says he's better with the ball in his hands where he's able to you know just get that feel and rhythm is a huge part of being an offensive player right being a good offensive player like players need that and i don't Mm -hmm. think that's necessarily a bad thing um most players do need like that rhythm and feel to become you know reliable scoring threats like not everyone is like Carmelo anthony he's just like all right well um if you're going to make me come off the bench i'm just going to become a really good bench player because i'm just i'm that good right like he, he had that ability he's out of the league now seems like but uh for a few seasons he did that and he relished in it mm-hmm. um and uh yeah it they're just it feels like we're getting to a tipping point with this team and i don't think it's internal like i think the players like each other i just think like with the ways in which they're losing games and the amount of then the variety of ways that they're losing and uh the hanging of their heads and it just feels like we're getting to maybe this isn't just gonna work this year Maybe this is this isn't going to be it. Like this is a pretty negative podcast so far, and it's hard not to be after what we're we're seeing. But they actually do have like three weeks to figure this out, or things are going to inevitably inevitably change. And we can get to if you have another if you have any other thoughts, we no, can get to. I feel like we're being um, critical, but we're it's not unfounded, which I don't necessarily think is negative. People want more negativity against Fred Van Vliet. I've, the amount of yeah, times I've seen, yeah. gonna give it. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not, I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. give it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they feel like media are protecting him, and that we're yeah. Reluctant I also to dig in on that because yeah. well, the argument is like there's we're def- we're defending someone, or we're context, but but we're defending somebody by contextualizing what they're doing by what they're saying and maybe going back and also looking at the numbers to explore what they're saying, which I hate to inform you is just reporting. So I don't know, like there isn't a bias. It's just, you can't just, I'm not just going to give you the numbers. That would be just as bad. Or then you can just extrapolate from that. Right. People, which people do anyway, like, you look at the numbers of that game, you'd be like, this is the worst team that's ever played basketball in NBA history. Yeah. It needs context. A small example, and, I, and I'm going to openly say, okay, he has not shot the ball well from three. He is not shooting as accurately, as fluidly, as you know, capable. He's not as much of a threat as he was last season. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several plays last night and games prior where last season, if he was shooting the first half of the season, we're like, that's going to go in, and it probably did because he was that good. Um, so the shot, the shooting has not been there, and the Raptors, because they're so bad at shooting threes they are heavily reliant on him to provide that mm-hmm. however outs if you look at last night's game okay late third quarter right the raptors actually closed the gap quite a bit right going into fourth quarter i mean the game was pretty close and how did that happen well fred hit back-to-back shots it was a pull-up three it was a mid-range shot and then he he tells Juancho Hernan gomez to get out of that corner i'm going to run some two-man game with chris boucher and they got a lob out of it right that's seven points that were orchestrated just by him. 
-hmm. doing things on his own. Then after that, they ran the same play. He missed a three, but that's like a an individual seven or run. And we saw the him doing that last season. He was willing to do those. I'm sure with his shooting woes, he's more he's reluctant to take on that kind of responsibility um, during a, a certain you know juncture of the of, of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Four or five minutes stretch where you know there's been an issue where you know Pascal goes off the court and things kind of go pretty badly, right? That's happened throughout the season. But when you look at him as a floor general, which I I do, it's it's very subtle the ways in which he influences influences the game and where he, the way he gets people in the right spots, it's kind of actually reminiscent of Kyle Lowry. How is Kyle such a good offensive player? Well, look at his plus minus and plus minus isn't everything, but he's getting players in the right spots and creating advantages for the Raptors offense. Mm-hmm. And that's looking at tape. That's knowing the opponent. That's knowing the players that are on his side where they want the ball. And that is really important. So the shot making has been up and down, right? And the defense sometimes it's been up and down too because he hasn't been as good as a a point of attack defender which it was a strong suit of his going back many years now injuries um wear and tear i don't know what it is but those are two aspects that have not been as good this year shot mm-hmm. making from 3 shot making you know in general and also his point of attack defense has not been as good but there is another side to this and the stretch i just told you mind you Early fourth quarter, the lead went back to like nine points, and then he had to check back in. Mm-hmm. He is a heavily influential player on the Raptors, and I think he's trying. To, he's still trying to figure this out as much as anyone. I think, um, I, like you said, everything I would, other than like you know, roles have changed. He's adapting to that. It, yeah. He's just had a lousy. He's had a lousy season mm-hmm. so far. There have been a lot of like we've talked about that before. We don't need to go into it, but there have been a lot of. Yeah. Factors like feeding into that. Um, and aside from that, I I think where I hesitate the most in terms of whether anybody is being not being hard enough on him, uh, is that do you listen to his interviews? Do you listen to like his post games or his practice interviews? He's usually the hardest on himself. Like I don't for as long as I've been around the team and whether that was like Fred in a role, um, you know, like secondary to Kyle Lowry, whether that's the role that he stepped into in Tampa and last season. And now this season, he's usually the first one to say how badly he's either playing, how badly he did, how much better he could have done. So I think there's a certain level of accountability where it's different if somebody's not being accountable and not pointing out the things that went wrong and how they are going to look at them and then try and fix them going forward. And Fred Van Vliet's always done that. So I think that's where I would hesitate the most to say, like Mm -hmm. he needs some other kind of like ulterior judgment, like placed upon him. I think people will have like their own opinions. I feel like I understand people want a scapegoat for their emotions um there's better ways to do that don't we all (laughs) i think than like putting it all on one person Mm. when this entire podcast and probably every podcast people have listened to uh for the last several weeks it's very clear that the problems do not come down to one person there have been problems with every single individual on the team so i think everybody's feeling pretty bad bad enough (laughs) They don't need us to be like, 
hey, do you feel bad? And we're asking them that stuff anyway. Yeah, sure. Are Scotty's passive tendencies on him or the coaching staff? Um, we see him waver and mm-hmm. I mean, just like waver, we see his, his field goal attempts go from like five to 18 to six to 20, very up and down uh, throughout this season. And uh, I think he is a person because of his screening ability, which by the way, yesterday he did a great job of setting up his teammates for open shots. Like screening is a, an art form and he did a great job of that yesterday. Just want to say that. But uh, I think he is struggling right now um, to understand where his advantages are within his current role. Um, last season, it was a, maybe a little bit simpler because Raptors didn't run a lot of pick and roll. And mm-hmm. now they are, and he's being asked to be that screener. And knowing where his advantages are, it's you know, it's probably more of like a looking at tape. Um, he doesn't want to be overzealous with his offense. That's not really his 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 identity. Mm-hmm. He's more of a passer. He calls himself Magic Johnson. He wants to be a Magic Johnson type. So I don't think he's looking to you know to make his offense happen necessarily. I think he's he's looking to get his teammates involved and to have like the ball flowing and uh, not to hold on to it too long. But sometimes he just seems unsure of himself. Mm-hmm. But back to the original point, are his passive tendencies on him or is it, do you think it's more of a, a coaching staff thing that they have to help him get more engaged um, within like their possessions and schemes and actions? Yeah, I think it falls uh, in the middle somewhere because you know, Nick Nurse is saying uh, they need him to be more aggressive offensively throughout the game, not just late in the game, as we've kind of seen him in the last small sample size of games where he has shown up, whether that's in the fourth or third to fourth. Um, But then there is still this question of hesitation, I would say, occasionally looking not fully lost, uh, but not exactly sure where the best place for him to be is to help. And I think he does, he does look to help, right? Like he's sure. not, he's like very generous in terms of who can get the best shot off. Um, I thought it was pretty apt what Fred said last night in his post game. He was asked about Scotty. I think he was asked about this very thing. Uh, and just like, is it tough for him to learn the offense and like, what's, you know, this like greater role that's being put on him. And Fred said, no, like, you know, yes, he's in his second year, but like he's a pro, he's in this league, like there's a level of knowledge there. So he, he said like he gets it and he's continuing to get it. Is this perhaps just a plateau? I'm not really sure, but I, I do feel yeah. like you can't place it solely on Scotty and you can't really mm. place it solely on the coaching staff. Though I would like to see perhaps because of how well he responded uh, in the fourth last night. You know, when he yeah. found, he figured like, oh, I can just go, I'm just going to go up against Brooke sure. Lopez. And for whatever reason, Brooke Lopez is not going to respond to it. Yeah. I think if you see things like that happening, that's where it behooves you as a coach to adjust mm-hmm. and try and finesse that. Especially last night, you yeah. just want to like finesse that kind of spark and that energy if you see it happening. I was looking at his shot attempts yesterday and the order of how it all broke down and uh going into that stretch mm-hmm. um he had taken three shots sorry he had taken two shots leading into the fourth quarter right and so one of them was attacking brook uh he missed a contested layup that was 951 in the first quarter remaining uh second shot third quarter third quarter so we've jumped quite a bit there um he gets uh grayson allen on a switch brook lopez helps and he misses a reverse layup after that 
it's almost like, I mean, maybe there was a time I should have actually looked at this. Maybe there was a timeout, but seven Oh six in the fourth quarter onward. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he was told do this now, right? Like, let's see if this helps our offense. And he was getting Brooke on his heels in a way that um, Pascal Siakam, you know, couldn't necessarily do because of, you know, just Scotty's strength. And you get a big man like that moving east, west, north, south a little bit, you can probably make some advantages if you have the physicality, the intangibles, the, the stride length. And he has all of that. And that's what's so intriguing about him when you go, see him go through these like stretches. And it does seem, seem like right now he's like a rhythm shooter, rhythm scorer, where it's like when he's in a rhythm with his shot, anything can go in. Or he might just turn down like several shots from the nail, which are mm-hmm. just like, why are you passing these up man like you got to take these shots but when he's in that mode when he is engaged it's like who can stop him right when he's so physical and he's so he such has such a nice touch around the rim and i think the raptors need to ensure that doesn't happen sure like you need him to be your screener because like i said he is good at it and there is a um, versatility with him being a screener as opposed to someone else just with like the strides and his playmaking, you know, from around the free throw line extended, if you're able to, you know, utilize that a little bit and just get him on the short rolls, stuff like that. Like there is something that he offers that others don't um, mm-hmm. because of his skill set. But uh, I don't think that can be forgotten. And yesterday it was forgotten. Now, sure. If shots are being hit, which was within the offensive scheme from the other players, Maybe we're not even talking about this. Scotty has like, you know, four points or something like that, but the Raptors win and off we go to New York. Well, the Knicks are coming here, but you know what I mean? Um, So it's like a, it's a balance, but there, and this goes back to like the role definition thing too, that I think it's, it's very confusing at times for him. And uh, I'm not sure where the Raptors are going to be, you know, going for the rest of the season, but I think, maybe because of the, the the lack of pick and roll reps for the team that they're unsure. They're still figuring out how do they use a roller like Scotty? Maybe it's that, but I think they have to find ways to utilize his skill set more and to keep him engaged in the offense. I think it's, he has to do his part too, but I think the Raptors as a whole within their actions, they have to uh, do their part too. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Tough times, tough, tough times. Okay. Um, final question for you, Katie, before we get out of here, I'm going to put you in the shoes of Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster. How are you approaching the next three weeks or so? And what is going to be swaying you? What are things that you're considering from, uh, the players? Um, what are things that are going to help you decide where you're going to be going come trade deadline time? Uh, I'm probably looking at the next I'm looking at the must wins. I'm looking at like that back-to-back Charlotte, those Charlotte games. Um, Certainly I'm looking at the Knicks. I'm looking at coming out of this homestand, maybe four and two, if you can, if you can help it. And that helps to solidify things though. If I'm looking to make any moves there, I'm future casting them to the best of my ability. I'm also going back and seeing like, who did we try and get in the summer? Oh, right. We thought about getting Bogdan for a minute. We were trying mm-hmm. to get some help for Fred yeah. that would help mm. to quickly organize things, at least in yeah. some capacity, because right now it's a little bit like whack-a-mole, you know, to start the season, you had a couple smaller problems, mm. but now they've fed into larger disparate problems. And we're talking about identity, like team identity yeah. being up in the air, right? If this is a team that yeah. seems to respond best in panic, which is what happened last night that's not 
a steady state any team yeah. can really live in. You know, you're going to get really burnt out. It's not sustainable. You're not really going to, well, you're not going to win games that way, let alone there's like no talk of playoff contention really. And as I mentioned before, I would also hesitate to blow it up because the league is in such a place now where you have so many contenders like stuck in the middle with each other. You know, it takes so much more to pull away than it did even two seasons ago. So I wouldn't necessarily want to blow it up because you're looking at being maybe not even this, what we think right now is very bad. You're probably looking at being worse, even if you're like going to the lottery, which I just do not see them doing because it's very unreliable in itself. There's like no Mm. guarantees, you know? So I think you probably have to go out and address the bigger glaring problems. Like seems like you do need a center or some semblance yeah. of what you hoped Thad. I don't understand why Thad isn't playing more uh, when he has played. he's. I think he's done a good job, a better than nothing, nobody being there kind of job in that mm. role. Um, so you've got to address that. I think you need some help for Fred, as I said before. Of course you need shooting, but I don't mm. know where that comes yeah. from because you did try and address that and he's out. Otto Porter Jr. is out now, probably as we said for the season. I don't envy their the position they're in, but I think it should be perhaps a little bit more intentional. Like they did say these two se- last season and this season were seasons to kind of watch and look and see what they had and just, and how to decide to build on that. So I think there's going to be some, you know, pruning of the team. There's going to be some movement. Sure. I think like they always told us that. Um, so I don't know if it will seem it's anything, any move is going to seem a little bit drastic because you're probably going to lose. You're going to have to lose some favorites yep. uh, and rotational mm. mainstays. If you're hoping to recoup, mm. I do not like speaking in this language, but I feel like this is what people want. But if that's just the practicalities of it, right? Mm. Otherwise, you, what, you get to the end of the season, you kind of take a look at your contracts that are expiring. Um, you decide who you want to keep, who's most integral to the franchise and what you're trying to trying to move forward. But it, as, I, as I said before, like you've lost so much of the team in trades and also letting guys walk away since you won the title that it's really changed. So right now it's kind of like they can go in any direction. I think what I would like yeah. to see if I were them is just to pick a direction yeah, and stick with that. Mm. It's funny talking about identity and vision because it's like they have one, but there's, they got to get the, I don't know that they do. No, you don't, with I like feel vision like six, nine and everything. It's what is it? We did. Yeah. It's just a body type. It doesn't, we haven't really seen it like execute (laughs) Mm. to its full potential or even capacity on the floor. That's, that's true. It might be because it's it's hard to to find. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And it could be because, you know, finding that many players with versatile skill set is hard, (laughs) right? Yeah. It's a certain like height. It's a, you want them to be able to run, pass, shoot, 
score, finish, everything like that. Like you want to develop them. And I think that's what, that's what we're seeing here is that it is hard to develop and build and contend all at the same time. Um, you have several players, you know, you go look at it, look at it like Pascal and Fred, then there's a big drop off in age. Obviously you got Otto Porter Jr. and Thad Young, but there is a massive drop off. So you have a lot of players up in, like they're ready to, ready to go. They want to get there, but they are not there yet. And so for me, I think I I hear what you're saying. Like you have to pick a side. You got to pick what you want to be next season. That's what it comes down to for me. And I think that's going to reveal itself within how the Raptors play. If they do play well, if they get them, if they find their stride and they start winning games and all that kind of stuff, then yeah, you know, find yourself an expiring contract. I think I would lend towards getting um, some side of some, some kind of versatile combo guard as opposed to a rim protector, because I think they're harder to get. There's going to be a few guys in free agency that could be, you know, up for grabs, you know, come the summertime. But with Precious back, especially, I think you want to explore that. You want to give him some time. Um, and he, I think he's going to help your team, too, when he gets there. So you are, mm-hmm. you have, in a way, acquired a rim protector. A three-point shooter? I don't know if he's going to have that. But you have at least, you're, you've got a, a rim protector in-house now. And I think you got to see where that goes. But a combo guard would help one of their biggest issues. And those are ones that are easier to find within mm-hmm. the NBA. Um, rim protectors are a lot harder. So they're, they're a lot more scarce. Um, but I do think if things go the other way and we're like, um, let's just end this bad boy. And uh, I think you do need to make a decision with... The roles that I mentioned, who you want to decide is gonna are gonna be your guys next season. You got mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet and uh Gary Trent Jr., both on player options. I'm pretty sure Gary's going to uh opt out of it because he should. Fred, I mean, I would think he would too. I mean, we'll have to see how things go this season. If he finds that you know things aren't really going the way that he wants to, he thinks he can like probably perform better next season, make that year and become a free agent. Like he has a prerogative, he can do that too. But um I think you have to you know, define some roles and let players try and thrive in them. And uh, yeah, really look at what you think you're missing. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's good to say we got some, a bunch of six, nine guys coming off the bench and they're versatile and they can run and stuff like that. But you like, we're seeing that you do need other elements of skills to be effective. And I think that's hit their tipping point when we're like Malachi Flynn has been given many chances and uh, he's got, he had this little stretch here and he's been kind of trailing off. I hope he rebounds for himself because this is important for his NBA career, but he can't have these long stretches where he's just not um, really producing off the bench. Donald Banton has been sent down. He's not even like with the team right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Doughton, is is he someone that you just decide you want to give like a 10 minute stretch to? Do you have, give him a reps? He's had some impressive moments and he kind of fits what the Raptors want to be in terms of point of attack defense. Uh, Three point shooting is a pretty heady player. Do you want to give him a shot? But you got to make some decisions here because Christian Coloco hasn't even played the past like three or four games. And I think the logic is that um, even Thad Young, some of these bigger centers like Aiton and Brooke Lopez and so forth, those two guys can't really handle them in mm-hmm. the manner that we need them to in terms of the Raptors switching ability and being able to guard multiple positions, cover up space, uh, be the physicality, all that. So it's not even fair to put them out there, but then, okay, you need someone though. So I don't know, like there has to be, there's a lot of things that we're, we're talking about here, but I think overall you want them to define their path. Mm-hmm. And that means defining their path for the rest of this season, which as we've said, the Raptors, I don't think they're going to sit in limbo. They're going to let, uh, they're going to decide on how they're going to approach things come uh, February, whatever is it, 9th, 2nd, 3rd, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, they're going to define their path. But within that, 
make some informed decisions about what you want this team to be next season. Just mm -hmm. like they did with that young, they decided they traded for that young and they felt like they wanted his bird rights because they wanted to bring him back. Stuff like that. Define what you want uh, the 2023-24 Raptors to be. Um, and that, that could be a major trade. I have no idea. But it's time to start making those decisions um, because if things keep on going this way, you are essentially just wasting time and uh, to start making some moves here. <laughs> Basically. Basically. How do you think the next game is going to go? <laughs> I don't know. No. No. <laughs> um, I mean, and when that's like you're where you're coming into it, you're like, I actually have no idea. We have no idea. I no. going into the Bucks game too, and I was just like, I had a good feeling because I thought that they, you know, they're at home, they'll play up yeah. uh, to a good team, and I, in some ways they did, but they just didn't hit any shots. So they're at home. Um, obviously, all of them understand the gravity of this, and if they lay a uh, a dud, then I think that also speaks to the morale and where they're at right now, mm -hmm. um, and that's gonna, you know, decide how things are gonna be proceeding over the next couple of weeks. Okay, Katie. Yeah. Thanks so much. What do you got coming <laughs> up here? What's happening? Um, <laughs> bad promo guest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. My my brain is a bit emptied out. Little bunch basketball of feelings. Basketball feelings today. Yes, you can yes. always go to basketballfeelings.com. Yes. yes, you can read it. You can subscribe. You can listen to the podcast. It's all there for you. Perfect, everyone. Um. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your day. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Let's see if the Raptors can string together a couple of wins. Otherwise, we'll be talking about um, a lot of different subjects around <laughs> um, selling and things of that nature. Uh, not fun conversations, but uh, who knows? We'll see. All right. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. <laughs>